This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com everyone out there and welcome to another episode of the final cast with your host matt and brad what's up bud what's up dude how you doing oh not too bad you know had a day off it was raining crappy so didn't go fish the river just you know stayed home and played jedi survivor it was fun (laughs) that's uh i don't know i i would have still gone fishing somewhere and I thought about it, and I was like, you know, I had to get up at, like, normal time, like 6.30 anyway. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I'll go. But then I remembered I had the repairman coming up. My dryer sounded like a possessed person when it was drying things. So it's been doing that for, like, three months. So I finally got to come out because of a warranty, and they came out, and they were like, yeah, they showed me the blower reel. It, wheel. it was literally, like, cracked all the way down the middle in half. Like, yeah, that's Jeez. so loud. And I was like, that's cool. Like, yeah, I'll just put a new one in there for you. I was like, all right, whatever. I don't care. And then I just didn't feel like moving the rest of the day. So I didn't. Yeah, there you go. But I wish I had the day off. I probably would have. The river's blown out, but I probably would have hit somewhere. But we did have a trip this weekend, though. 
And it was a fun he trip. did have a trip. Well, it was a fun was trip so... for you. I had a crappy. I caught like three dinks. Oh, uh, well, you caught more than three because you caught one at the dam that was a dink. And then you caught those three out of the riffles. So I think four or five. I thought I only caught three. I only had yeah, three pictures. Maybe. Oh, then maybe you did only catch three. But also, when we catch like nine and we just throw them back, we don't really take pictures of them. So, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. no, I had uh, finally had a good day, man. It was I was ooh. I Every time I went out, it was like either no fish or Dale Hollow tiny spots all day long. Yeah, so, you were struggling even at Dale Hollow, man. Dude, I I've been struggling since Dale Hollow. Just I I went on a I went on a little river drop in last Tuesday. Didn't catch a fish. Now, granted, it was in a stretch of river that we both don't really think they sit at this time of year at all. Um, and I didn't mark any on a fish finder other than I marked a couple pike. I know they were pike because they were really long and really skinny. And I saw one. So, but yeah, man, it just, no, it was pike. I, I watched them swim right by me when I was by the dam over in uh, TV. And mm. uh, yeah, well, I mean, big, big, and I would have been okay to catch that. But, yeah, man, it was uh, even up before I caught that first fish. I was still struggling. That whole wasn't anything. I had a fish on the Jigmaster's spinnerbait, and I was so not used to the bite that it, like, I was, like, looking at a fastball straight down the middle and, like, froze up. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I forgot how to fish. I shook shook it off. Man, I got that when it was, I was catching, I caught fish pretty much the rest of the stretch. Yeah. Yeah, that that one, that good one you caught was Fish Ohio, eighteen incher, yep, and it was funny because, yeah, where where you caught that fish at, I was gonna like I know that area is good, so I let you go ahead. I was like, he needs to catch a fish, dude. So I let you go <laughs> ahead, and you caught the eighteen. I was like, heck yeah, that's cool. It's it's right before I got to that spot, I lost that fish. It was probably fifteen inch smallmouth, and I was like, you know, I'm just done. I'm just gonna motor back the truck. I'll just wait for Brad to catch up. And I looked over and I saw where that river comes in. I was like, I'll throw one more time right there because I'm, they're probably sitting there. And I threw it along that bank and then big 18 and a quarter smashed it. Literally took first time I've ever seen it. Got his whole little tiny small mouth around a jig master's three quarter spinner bait and chomped down on it. And somehow I still got a good hook set. Yeah. I don't know, awesome. but it was awesome. So <laughs> that makes the whole trip like, worth it, dude. Oh, yeah. And he was like melanistic. He had all the black spots on him. So I didn't get a chance to catch one of those last year. So that was pretty cool, too. Yeah. And we, we ended up getting rained on and hailed on towards the end of the stretch, too, which was weird. It got cold. Yeah, it, dude, it got, it got, A, it got freezing cold. Like my hands hurt. And as I'm going back to the truck, you were fi- finishing fishing the pile. And I was like, I'm just going to go back. I don't want to get stormed on like real bad because I didn't have my dry suit or anything. And, I'm going back and I'm getting rained on. Like my hands are up under my bibs and everything. I'm getting rained on. And I look down at my legs and I was like, this is some fat rain, man. And I look down and there's little ice pellets in my kayak. I was like, this is yeah. stupid. <laughs> I was so bad. No, and then one, I, t- I took my glasses off and rubbed my eye. And of course, right when I did that, I'm rubbing this eye and a piece of hail hit my other eye. I was like, this is <laughs> dumb. I was so mad. Like you had oh, no idea. Man. I was ticked off. But, That's uh, funny. But yeah, terrible trip, man. I enjoyed it. It was hard to fish river being up like that, but it was fun. Yeah, it was. It was like fishing the Mad River all over again and bringing back bad memories. Pickle Park, <laughs> man. Pickle Park. 
<laughs> no, I can't complain too much about that stretch because the day before I ended up catching a 20, a 19, and an 18. So on the same stretch? No. No, about the, you weren't there. You were, yeah. No, di- different stretch. But I'm just okay. saying, I, I was caught gonna... three good fish the day before. So I can't. Yeah, well, you caught, you lost three good fish. Though. I mean, you had a great day. Yeah, it was fun. But yeah, one was a 20, and that was my first 20 of the year, which was cool. So there you go, man. Easy peasy. Yep. Well, um, enough talking. Uh, a couple weeks ago, me and Matt did a show uh, talking about the On Water app. It was like one of our featured um, shows that we did. We found this app through uh, NRS. They t- they posted the uh, post yeah, on Instagram it was or something. Inter- yeah, NRS Instagram post, and you'd seen it before I did. And you're like, dude, we should do a show on this. Now I got the app, and I looked at it a little bit, and I was like, yeah, we should, we should definitely do a show on this because this is yeah. awesome. And then yeah. we did the show, and Brad got a reach out. I almost said yeah, on <laughs> uh, on water reached out to us. They uh, they um, messaged the Instagram page because I tagged him in the post. That's what it was. And he was like, "Oh, thank you so much! It's so so cool! It's such a pr- surprise to hear on water being mentioned on a podcast and stuff like that." So he reached out to us, and then uh, I was like, "Well, hey, you guys want to be on our show?" I was gonna reach out, but we kind of have issues like connecting with people who make apps for some mm-hmm. reason. I don't know; it's kind of hard to get like a hold of like the person that makes the app. So, but I'm glad we did because our guest tonight is. Somebody who works for the On Water app, Torin Shirk. Welcome to the show, man. What's going on, fellas? What's Not up, much. brother? Did I get that last name right? You nailed it. Yes. I was like, <laughs> you know, you know how like you're worried up until that point, and you're like, I hope I do it. I hope I do it. <laughs> and then you don't. You you get it right, and you're like, ah, oh, relief. I know exactly what you mean. I've done some podcasts in the past, and I know that exact feeling. Yeah, that's funny, man. Yeah, it's the same thing. I, I found that out in the Marine Corps. There's so many people from so many like areas, culture. I became a pro. Like I was hooked on phonics for names because there'd be guys coming in. And I'd be like, well, at one point I was like, ah, it was just sounded out in our head as you're walking up to them. And uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I was batting like seven seven hundred on names. I, I rarely screwed them up, and the ones I screwed up were like the dumbest things. So I do. But, but welcome to the show, Torin. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. Doing well. Just got done um, actually uh, putting water on a mat. So uh, decided to just roll over uh, into the podcast. So it's working out great. I got uh, water on the mind. Heck yeah. <laughs> Perfect Always, timing. man. Always. <laughs> so right. uh, you want to start off uh, like a uh, background introduction of yourself, like what you do for on water and whatever else you want to share. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so like mentioned, my name's Torn Shirk. I'm from central Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm the curation team manager at on water as well as the GIS technician. Uh, so in those two roles, I basically manage what the consumer sees on the front end of the app, as far as the maps are concerned. Um, that's the curation side. And then on the back end, I build, uh, I build out access points, boat ramps, uh, restrooms, campground data, 
Um, all the dish, all the data that you see inside the map, I build that in the background through uh, GIS data. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> oh yeah, it's busy days, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. Like our, our water. Well, let let me ask you this: We have a water trail map here in Ohio for our river. Mm -hmm. Do you you gather data from those types of things for that app, or? Uh, yes and no. So it depends. Um, some of those water trail maps, like let's look at it countrywide. Some of those water trail maps are very, very detailed and we'll pull information from that. And some of them are kind of just like an overlay, if you will, where it's a, a general sense of what's going on in that watershed. We don't pull a whole lot of information from that stuff, but those water trails uh, that have really good data, we hand curate that aspect. So we have uh, a curation team that aids in the GIS coordination, as well as actually hand building each river map that you see or each uh, lake still water that you see. So it's not just computer generated maps. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know much about like the whole curation thing. So could you go a little bit more in depth about like what exactly happens and like how it yeah. develops into an app. Yeah, absolutely. I'll walk you through the process. <clears throat> so it kind of starts at my desk. Um, as we're building out a state, we'll start with a state. Let's use Ohio, for example. And I'll go through and I'll pick out uh, 75 to 100 water bodies that we want to curate for that state in the first go around. Uh, that threshold to qualify for that list is one, it has to be a sustainable fishery. Um, two, it has to have access and three, it has to have some type of, I use air quotes, notoriety of a fishery. Mm -hmm. Um, we want to build out our maps in a way that, uh, we are giving our consumer the most possible use. So hitting those kind of, uh, more notable fisheries is what we want to tackle first. And we're building it out in phases. So we would basically go into phase two and then we would uh, tackle the tier two, if you will, uh, water bodies. Once those are laid out, um, that gets pushed down to the curators and the curators start plugging away at it. So they'll go into the back end, they'll curate the GIS layers that I've built out for them. That's basically the automation aspect where they're putting in um, information that we've collected from state agencies, uh, NGOs, other resources like that. And then after that's done, they go in and hand curate. So they'll look at various uh, resources where they can pull out uh, a hidden boat ramp that you maybe the state agency doesn't have or information on a specific POI that's like you need four wheel drive to be able to access things that as an angler, you're going to want to know. All right. Mm -hmm. I can use this mm -hmm. this time of year but this boat ramp's flooded out in the spring because uh, there's a huge tailwater release or like in the West you have the runoff. Okay. Yeah. I know yeah. there's a couple, I know Matt knows, I think you might know this spot over by spring Valley. There's a boat ramp on the little Miami river. And if you're floating by it, you can't really tell it's there because it's mud. It's always caked with yeah. mud. So I don't know if it shows up on the map either or not, but. So there's a, there's a lot of ramps like that, especially um, kind of in like those uh, 
lower riparian areas that uh, if you look at just like an ortho map, you don't even know because it literally is just clay or mud. Yeah. But it's an actual boat ramp. Yeah. yeah. yeah so we'll cross reference. We'll cross reference that stuff with um, fly shops, bait and tackle shops, um, literally hand calling uh, resources to get the most possible information we can. That's cool. But it'd probably be way more fun if you were like sent out to that river and like explored it yourself. <laughs> no, w- without That's a doubt. Awesome. There, there is an aspect of that, and that started in the beginning, if you will. So, uh, as the curation team was built, we kind of were handpicked for all over the region, and we built out what we were familiar with. The tricky part of that is how scalable is that? At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be kind of tough to do. Say, especially would, for all the waterways, even just in Ohio, that would be that would be a long process. Yeah, and, and then I know knock that out. I know Google Maps does like their like only in the city limits. They have like a three sixty view of a guy kayaking down the river, which I don't know if people know that or not. And if you do, and you get mad, I'm sorry that I just blew the secret. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the other tricky part about this curation too, is all right, how do we curate river maps and just watersheds in general in a way that's not spot burning? Yeah. It's tough, man. It it is. It's really tough. So there's like the morality aspect of that. And what we as a team try to do is we just try to provide resources uh, that people typically maybe go out and look for in various different resources and bring all that information together to be able to use it on one platform. And then yeah. you make the decision of how you want to go about tackling going to various locations. We're not like, oh, yeah, this spot is smoking hot. Uh, fish it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not like fish brain. Like, hey, I caught this fish right here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep, Here's exactly. my exact coordinates. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Oh, that's funny. Now, this this app would come in handy up north on our river. Uh, we fish the Great Miami River here in Ohio, and uh, mm. the access points are far and few, few, far and few between up there. I think that's probably why we haven't really floated the river up there because you can go like 15, 20 miles without an access point. So I'm not sure. Yeah, and there there are times that which I was actually looking at. There's ramps that I didn't even know were there just from looking on the on water app, um, which is, it's cool because we talk about when 
fish it, but the drop-ins, we never, we don't know where they're at. And if we do know where they're at, we don't know where any are in between. And I've already mm-hmm. found a couple spots to where you could probably do a float now that I know where stuff's at. Um, yeah. That have parking right near it. Because you got, one thing I really love about it is you utilize kind of the overview map feature. So you have everything on the Great Miami. Look for this one. It's all waterway. This one, I'm just using the Great Miami as an example. You have the drop-in and then it's kind of like a 3D Google Earth type of look to where you can see everything around it so i know where we're parking for those spots now and things like that like it really opens up the uh logistics aspect trying to do longer river floats and things like that yeah, yeah. and the, and the cool thing about uh our app with like those longer river floats uh you take that river for example it's roughly 160 miles long mm-hmm. we have a notification when near feature so uh if you're unfamiliar with it it lets you know when a boat ramp's coming up or a certain POI is coming up. Um, that's like not, it, it, it's very applicable in the East, but it's even more so applicable in the West where you have uh, like class five, class six rapids, or mm-hmm. you have these really dangerous dams that you could potentially be uh, floating over. Let's say it's like at the end of the, the night and you're getting close to the boat ramp and, and it's right before a diversion dam. That's actually a use case that uh, the CEO's son almost went through. And that was kind of the whole concept behind the app, or at least part of the concept. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously that's like, that's not cool that his son kind of went through that, but it awesome. He kind of noticed, like you said, it's, it's only part of it, but he noticed the need mm-hmm. uh, for that. Hey, this happened. So now I'm going to fix it, which is why I think, I mean, 99% of the things that we have and really enjoy on the water with, uh, PFD advancements and safety features is if they're making it because something's happened and now they're making it to avoid it from ever happening again. So, I mean, that's, that's a, a great aspect of that. Yeah. Unfortunately with, uh, with safety advancements, there has to be an incident, right? Mm-hmm. And that's usually always the use case of, of improvement. Hopefully nobody gets hurt, injured, killed, uh, that those, advancements happen and we're trying to include more and more into the app as well yeah uh i know you yeah you, uh, i don't think we mentioned that on the uh prior sh- show that we did but like the notifications part where you're coming up to a ramp or you're coming up to a dam that was that was something i was going to say when we were talking about it um but i didn't i think that's a really good feature just for the simple fact that the the safety aspect people don't pay attention to the signs and stuff on the river and sometimes the signs are overgrown they don't take care of that area you yeah i was about to say 99% i saw a sign i don't know Brad if you've ever seen this sign it's uh remember what i told you hey that spot that i was screwing around with paddle tail and caught that carp and he spooled me and i had to break him off on the stretch mm-hmm. we just did that little nook yeah. I, I don't know if you know this right where that house is there's a sign up there that says rapids ahead. I never noticed. <laughs> I, I didn't notice it until I was underneath it this last time. Cause I was stopping screw with something. I looked up, I see a red sign that says fast water ahead. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, those are pretty gnarly old. riffles too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was on a Bronco going through it. It sucked. Um, was, but was that the one I went through this past weekend? Yeah, you went through the other side, and I went through the skinny side because yeah. I was like, oh, the water's up. This side will be fine. It still wasn't fine. It still sucked. 
Yeah, um, the, the other side was easy. I know because you, you always want to shoot that V. So oh, you went I over shot... all the big big rocks, and I, I knew the big rocks were there. I'm like, oh, he should have went. No, I was just side. I was just testing the RVR and see what he can handle. It handled great. My new port okay. took a bucking though. It, it, it was <laughs> it was great, man. It, it loved every second of it. It still works. <laughs> um, one thing I do want to say, we really a lot of our shows kind of all focus on you know, the, the fishing aspect of kayaking and things. But I think one thing about this app is great for the recreational kayaker mm-hmm. because a lot of people got into it during COVID. They weren't fishing. They were just going out in droves and boats to do something. And they didn't know where they were putting in. They didn't know where they were taking out. I've watched people and I'm going down the river fishing, paddling upstream and a, a bad part to paddle upstream is going to be dead the time you get down. When if they would have just floated an extra, like, 30 yards they would have been at a, a takeout but they didn't know that so this app really kind of it it helps because people can not know a river at all drop in and have a uh you know a, a planned route to where hey we're putting in here and then i'm sending all these to everyone else this is where we're taking out and it it, it helps the recreational side not just the fishing side which was awesome i really think a lot of the apps for rivers and stuff really just focus on the angler and they don't focus on those recreational kayakers because they outnumber us 10 to one. See as well. So, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I really like how this, you know, is a, is a big step in the right direction for them because it's keeping them safe. Cause 90% of the people we see the GMR claims every, I, I want to say last year it was, it was eight or nine people died on the GMR and only two of those were anglers. The rest were recreational wow. kayakers. Yeah. Um, and it's mostly people not wearing PFDs or people getting into areas they don't know, which mm-hmm. this will negate 90% of those issues. The other 10% is just wear your life jacket. Don't take it off, but you can only say that sometimes for people just don't do it. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's but, true. I mean, it's just, 100%. it is what it is, man. Um, it's a, it's a choice, but with this, at least the logistics and Hey, I know where I'm going. And like I said, it's, I come back to that Google map feature because it's, it's cool. Because everything's nice and detailed, even on the obviously things change, but even when looking at the river, you can kind of see where larger rocks are, where it gets skinnier, where it like move, or like people can kind of prepare for that, especially if it's the first time out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into this here in a little bit, uh, maybe down the road, but in we're currently working on our version two our second build of the app. It's going to have some more features. And for the subject of where we're at in this conversation right now, uh, we're going to have a feature that's going to tell you how far you are from a certain point. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's a boat ramp. It might say six river miles, four river miles, and it'll count down and it'll actually let you know. Uh, I know that I've been in situations where it's getting dark and I have to make a call. Like I have to make a mm-hmm. legit judgment call. Okay, am I am I pulling out here and this is where I'm camping for the night, or am I going to try to push it down to the next campsite or boat ramp, et cetera, et cetera? And just for safety factors, I was like, all right, I'm getting out now. I just don't feel like messing with it um, in the dark. And that's some. I think that's going to be really useful and and a lot of use cases for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it's funny. I don't know if you're. Uh, uh, group member on Facebook of the kayak bass fishing group. There's so many people that ask like, what's a good app that tracks my river mileage and how, how far it stretches or everything. So 
there's not very many apps out there that's doing that, which I think is awesome. I mean, there's there's two I can think of, the on water and another one, but that's awesome. Like for myself, I keep track of every mile of river I've done. So the Great Miami, for example, I like that it tells you how long the river is. And I've done over 90 miles of that river. So that tells wow. me I got 70 more miles to do until I complete the whole thing. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, super cool. Um, and like us as anglers, how often do you get caught up fishing where you're not paying attention to like what's going on around you? Or like, yeah. dude, you're just stacking bodies and you're caught up in the moment. Next thing you know, it's like 30 minutes till dark and you have six more miles to float. That's what, that's what we that. did. Me and Brad uh, were out with a buddy last year and we were just on the same stretch we just did this weekend, but it was on fire. I mean, we, between the three of us, we probably caught between a hundred and hundred fish and it, we're just rolling through. And next thing we knew we, we've been on this float for like seven hours we're all dead and um, we're only I, like, like a, a mile downstream from put in <laughs> yeah and I, I look at brad i was like dude am i right in thinking we still have like five miles to go he was like yeah we're not very far and i was like oh dude this is gonna suck and we got back we were like all dehydrated we all drank through our water we already ate our lunch we were all like feeling this was going down if we would have if i wouldn't have stopped if any of us wouldn't have stopped, they could have very easily got to where, hey, you're going back and now it's dark. And right past that boat ramp where we take out is a low head dam. Yeah. And that low head dam rolls. I mean, like if I went over that, you'd, you'd die. So, I, uh, yeah, I've come back on floats when it's dark outside and I'm just holding my phone up with a flashlight, like trying to see crap as yeah. I'm going. Because on the river, when it gets dark, it gets dark. 100%. So, I think it, it was uh, Matt. You know who Matt Good? I think I watched a video of him. He floats the river at night. I'm like, that's crazy. That's dude. terrifying. I ain't doing that. I'm not doing no. Because no, I get a, I get nervous being a strainer in the day. Yeah, you can't see where you're going, and then two, you got like a bunch of crazy guys on the bank at night. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in Dayton. I mean, I'm yeah. just saying, because that's what he floats the Dayton stretch at night. You couldn't pay me to do that. I just, there's, I have a better chance of getting a flying needle attack than I do drowning. So, <laughs> like, I'm not playing that game, man. And I, I, don't, I don't know how people do that. The one time I've been on the river at night, I was stacking bodies. That's my new, my new phrase now when I catch tons of fish, stacking bodies. Thank you, Torm. Uh, you got it. I was stacking bodies, man, and I was just rolling, and it, I was with my buddy Cam. This was like Cam's – Brad knows who Cam is. He's one of our buddies. He's only been kayak fishing for about a year and some change. This was his second float, and we just did a little float. It wasn't even that bad um, by the German. It wasn't even a float. It was a put-in. Brad knows yeah. what I'm talking about. And we got past that bridge and we started catching fish and he was like all excited because he was catching them on a, a mega bass top water lure or something. So he's, you know, freaking out. And I was, I was catching fish and I looked up and I was like, man, where'd the sun go? <laughs> like, this is weird. And we didn't have, I didn't have my pedal kayak or a motor. And he had a big boat and I had a, a bona fide RS 117. And I was like, and we were downstream having to paddle back up. Yeah. And I was like, well, Maybe it's just a cloud. And I look at my watch, and this is the end of summer. 
probably early fall and it was like 745. And I was like, oh no, this isn't good at all. <laughs> and we get about halfway up and it just went from day to night immediately. And Cam's behind me. And at one point you have to get out and walk your boat up through these rapids. And Cam's like, what happens if I fall? I was like, man, you better just float and just don't go under. I can't see anything. I was like, yeah, me either, man. We're just going. And I fell into a hole. I fell into an eddy, not paying attention, went up to my neck. Oh, uh, it was bad. And then ever since then, I, uh, I'm not on the water past like seven. I ain't about that life because that sucked. <laughs> yeah. So that, that feature to kind of tell you, hey, you're one mile, two mile, three mile, it really keeps you kind of focused on what you're doing. So you don't get in situations like that because mm-hmm. fishing in and of itself is dangerous enough. You don't need to add darkness. So, yeah, I, I live like I can almost throw a baseball into the Susquehanna River uh, from my house. That's awesome. And you lucky dog. You lucky yeah, man. It, I'm cut. Get the guest room ready. I'm coming up. Hey, man. Any Anytime you guys want to come out, anytime you guys want to come out, you're more than welcome. Um, but, uh, we have we have people that get in trouble every year. I, I mean, you hear the stories, especially on that river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was going to ask about this um, alert system through the app. Does that is it pushed to your phone, like, or so? So it's not a push notification. Um, that's coming. Uh, it is basically just an alert that pops up through the app. Okay, and then like. Are you able to like record your trip, I guess, downriver, and that's how it tracks, kind of? Yeah, so it uses the GPS in your phone to know where you're at. So you have to have your GPS on on your phone to be able to track where you're at. Okay, I got you. That makes sense. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, MidwayUSA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Very cool. Um, Oh, yeah. Super cool. Is there anything else that we wanted to talk about on the app? It's kind of hard uh, to do because I was trying to see if I could screen share it here, but it's not. I can't find a way to do that because technology is stupid. Um, so one thing I really like about it is this is just isn't just for river days. I was kind of looking through the app the other day, kind of just screwing with it because I'll be honest, I was at work and I was bored. Uh, and Caesar's Creek is a lake right by us, and it's a very popular lake right by us. And you have pretty much every put-in – I mean, there's put-ins I didn't even know were put-ins. Like, I just thought those were people's, like, houses. But you have all the private property marked out, so, A, it's going to keep you from getting shot. So, Ohio's, Ohio is an, a, a bigger version of Florida. You know, everyone likes to tote on Florida. 
it started here first. And uh, so people <laughs> will just shoot you. Uh, but there's like, there's spots that I didn't even know were put-ins and this is the main lake. And these are actual like smaller boat ramps. So guys in huh. big boats, not just kayaks can go drop in wherever they want. They, they can now see, cause I can tell you one boat ramp I'm looking at right now. If you go there on a Saturday, you'll be in your truck for about three hours just trying to put your kayak and our boat in the lake. But there's a boat ramp that I didn't even know farther up Caesars Creek that you can put in, and it is a full boat ramp. So that's cool. It's taking care of the lake, guys, too. I don't know. Is are, is your guys' really main folks river and you guys still are after that, or is it kind of everything? If it's popular and it's got traction, it's good fishery, you guys are putting it on the map. If it's uh if it's a good fishery, we're putting it on the map. Um, my my plan is to have uh, all the fisheries in the United States mapped. Um, there's the question of again, we're gonna roll back to spot burning, <clears throat> but we are in the year 2023. The information's out there. Like mm -hmm. you had to figure it out. It's just a matter of you putting in your research. We're not pointing a sign that says fish here. We're just putting the information together for you to figure it out. Like mm -hmm. what you just did right there with that boat ramp. That's exactly what we're doing. You had to go in there and make the decision to determine uh, which boat ramp to use rather than, hey, this is the boat ramp you go to. And next thing you know, there's 60 freaking trucks waiting to put in you're not getting in for five hours or if at all yeah. uh, mm -hmm. and then the more and more water that we put on the mat the more and more that kind of dissipates the pressure if you will mm -hmm. um and kind of hides uh those hidden gems so to speak oh that's cool yeah i i think when it comes to spot burning man you you said it best and i've said it in like arguments slash conversations with people i was like oh you, there's one of our buddies you know, he's a YouTuber. He, I, I hate him sometimes, but I also like don't care that much because he shows everything. I'm talking about you, Big B. I love you still. <laughs> he shows stuff like people, like there are certain spots that he's gone out and fished. And I'm like, why are you showing that? Like, I, we go there when we can't catch fish anywhere else. We go there because we know where to catch fish there. But at the same time, I was talking to a guy and he was like, yeah, you spot burning, blah, blah. I was like, dude, I can go on Google Maps and I can find, I can look and see where eddies are from Google Maps. Yeah, I can see exactly. where good riffles are. I can go anywhere in the country. You can put me smack dad in Kansas and I promise I'll find someone's honey hole in an hour. Like now, that, how am that, I going to get to that honey hole? That's different. But I also will find a way. Like if I'm determined enough, I'll, I, I've hopped fences. I don't care. I have wheels on my kayak for a reason. I'll get there. So just saying. And, and what you just mentioned there, that's the X factor. That's what separates people. All right. Mm -hmm. One, you have to have the knowledge to be able to find those places. It's not just like anybody can find those places. You actually have to have the fisheries knowledge to be able to understand maps, understand fisheries, to be able to find those locations. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand that information, it's high. It, it's, it's pretty unlikely that you're going to be able to find it. Uh, Cause you just don't know. Right. Yeah. And it, go ahead. Well, man. even if you just don't, like you said, you just don't know. And even if you do like, Oh, that looks good. I'm going to go. Me and Brad have been fishing a spot and watched a guy on another kite go by us and not throw at any of the good spots in that area. He was still a well-known kayaker. 
Yes, he was throwing at all the stupid spots. Like we're, I mean, I'm looking at Brad, and I was like, "What is he? He's not even doing anything." Like he's there's fish there, and then Brad goes right over behind him and catches like three seventeens in a row. And I was like, "That dude's an idiot." And I go to another tree that we always catch three or fish on all the time, and it caught like three fourteens, fifteens, and sixteens. Like it, but he just rolled right by it. So just because you're in an area, doesn't people know to fish or how to yeah. fish it? Like it's. So here, here's an interesting concept, too, that I'm curious to see what you guys think. Um, in the North American model of conservation, right, you have to have stakeholder interest in order for that resource to be protected. If we don't make it known, so to speak, to a certain extent, that these fisheries exist and have a voice about uh, these fisheries, how do we protect them? That's true. How do we keep? Point. How do we keep recreating on them? And if and if we don't have stakeholders that are interested in these fisheries, uh, it's very easy to lose them, especially with all the stream access stuff that's going on in this country right now. Mm-hmm. I know there's a uh, a lot of like issues in Indiana and Ohio. I've witnessed it personally, where guys are cast netting for fish, and there's a stretch of river where they've completely wiped out that stretch, and it's not good anymore. Oh yeah, so, it sucks. I mean, yeah. bringing attention to the fishery and going to like the DNR or something like that, and tell them this is an issue. We need to fix it. it exactly, and and um, I mean, there's there's so many different layers to that where it's like you can even get into the argument of invasives. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we're starting to have snakeheads pushing up the Susquehanna watershed. Uh, I caught my oh. first this year. Um. That's that's a hot topic that is argued among anglers of whether they should be here, whether they shouldn't be here. Uh, flatheads in the Susquehanna are doing work on young and beer smallmouth. And it's now a recreational fishery for flatheads, and they're probably here to stay just because of the voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that was an issue out there. I was kind of surprised. That's yep. weird. Oh, that sucks. I mean, I understand. But it sucks. I, I anything that eats a smallmouth makes me mad, <laughs> including people. Poor, and I hope you're not eating smallmouth. Nope, <laughs> nope, definitely oh, not. <laughs> You'd be yeah, surprised. I, I, You'd I think it's surprised. kind of taboo to eat a smallmouth out of Susquehanna. You probably get lynched or something, or beat to death. Or <laughs> yeah, it uh, it wouldn't be you wouldn't be uh, very friendly. Uh, friend, you wouldn't be received very well from the other anglers. That's for sure. Yeah, good. That's how it should be. Yeah, it's just, it's just, like that here here in Ohio too. Like somebody will post in the uh, Facebook group or something, like, "Oh, I, I caught a couple keepers tonight. I'm cooking them." Everybody, oh, I, I've left. Head. I've left that group because of that. I did too. Because it makes no matter. There's they just there's like a twenty on a stringer. I just want to stone him. I want to. <laughs> every, every angler should just carry a bag of stones. <laughs> if you get, you just start winging them. And hopefully it, you know, teaches a lesson or something. It's so, it oh, takes me off so bad. Uh, but before I encourage myself, let's continue to the next topic. Well, hold on. I want to piggyback. I want to piggyback off of what you're saying there, just to be uh, the devil's advocate, so to speak. Oh, I already um, know what you're going to say. There is a certain aspect to fish mortality in watersheds where you need it to happen to be able to keep increasing size. Mm-hmm. So 
Like I know we have a couple fisheries here that are strictly just catch and release that used to have like legit fish in it. And now they're just all tens, like 10 inches and like thousands and thousands. Yep. But there's just, yep. The, the amount of biomass isn't large enough for, uh, the fish to grow over a certain threshold just because of competition. It ultimately comes down to competition. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, it's a game. Like it's a very finicky game. It it really is. It really is. But then, but then the question comes up, what do you want to do? Do you want to catch like a ton of 16s or do you want to catch a 24, six pounder? Yeah. I want to that. But I'll, I'll piggyback off what you just said. Torn, give give everyone listening at home, because you use the word biomass, everyone mm. kind of uh, a background in your fishery experience and knowledge. You kind of told us before in the pre, pre-show. Yeah, so um, I went to school at West Virginia University. West Virginia University uh, studied in fisheries and wildlife resource. Worked in the, the public sector uh, as a biologist for... 10 years and then actually moved into the hunting industry and now I'm in the fishing industry. Uh, so that's kind of where my biology background comes from and my understanding as far as that's concerned. Uh, I specialized in fisheries biology and big game etology. Uh, biomass you is good. So you probably shot a few elk, haven't you? Not yet. I'm still working on it, man. I'm still working on it. And I'm just, I'm just trying to get a lot of tag, man. That's all I, where I'm at. <laughs> you and me right, both. Sorry, you and me both. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. Um, uh, but yeah, for the listeners, biomass is basically just the uh, consumable calories in a given watershed, mm-hmm. and it's it's measured in kilograms uh, per hectare. That is just arbitrary jargon. There's a measurement for it, and it hits a, a, a threshold, if you will, where the carrying capacity, the amount of fish in a given fishery will only reach a certain growing size because competition is too high. Mm-hmm. If you decrease that carrying, so- carrying capacity, which is ultimately the number of fish in that fishery, the competition for the biomass reduces, and they're able to grow into larger fish. You're able to pack on more calories. That's kind of what I was telling you about, Matt, like a Kaiser Lake, for example. We catch a lot of 14s and 15s out of there. And I think it's because that place is overpopulated with fish. Probably. I hate that lake, so I hope it dries up. But that's just me. Um, (laughs) I I hate it. I I hate it. Uh, But, I mean, it makes sense. And I think, like, with your background – Tell me if I'm wrong, but when you're looking at these maps of watersheds and riverways and still water, and then when you're fishing, you probably look at it uh, uh, in a completely different light than like what me and Brad would look at it when we're fishing. Mm-hmm. Like if you're catching a bunch of tens and twelves, I'll just keep catching tens and twelves. But you're probably thinking there's no real big fish in this this stretch because I'm catching so many tens and twelves and nines, and you know what I mean. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, in in a certain way. So, like, every time that I go fishing, it's typically not um, based off of just, like, one experience. I have to have at least a couple experience, like, be able to pull in um, a decent sample size to make an assumption 
assumption about a fishery. Mm-hmm. So let's say I go out, let's just use, let's use the Miami, for example. And I go out on the Miami and I'm primarily just catching, let's say I put in a hundred 14s. I can make two assumptions off of that. One, the carrying capacity is either too high or the biomass is uh, constructed in a way that is not capable of giving the fish enough calories in a single consumption. So that could be that they're primarily feeding on uh, small bait fish. I, I, I was going to narrow it down. Probably I would say dace, um, maybe even macro invertebrates, um, mm-hmm. especially for the young of the year. Uh, it could be certain types of species of crayfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have the, the rusty crayfish in mm-hmm. there? Yep. yep. So like they, they get pretty big and they, they, oh, uh, and they swarm like crazy. Like when we got them in the Susquehanna, like our smallmouth size shot up. Mm. But then like right after that, we got the flatheads and they basically almost, and we had a bunch of other environmental conditions, basically wiped them out. So all those big smallmouth that we had now had new competition on them and the forage was no longer there. Right. Yeah, so like that's, that's that's the kind of easy stuff that you can kind of pick up pretty quickly if you just like maybe look at it a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you look at like a different river, let's just call it River X for example. All right, I catch a couple tens, I catch a fourteen, and then maybe I catch an eighteen. All right, I'm going to start putting the pe- the puzzle pieces together. All right, what caused me to catch that eighteen? Mm-hmm. Was it a certain type of water that it was holding in? Okay. Uh, let's make some some assumptions. Was it? I, I basically break water down into four different parts. There's staging, there's bedding slash security cover, there's forage, uh, and then there's spawning. Fish are almost always going to be in one of those four places, depending mm-hmm. upon the time of year, right? Um, if I caught that fish in bedding cover, it could be that there are big fish in that watershed They're, they just haven't moved into their staging or foraging locations yet based on seasonality of that watershed whether right. the the food's not there whether the water's not warm enough whether the flows aren't warm enough uh or high enough etc cetera, etc cetera. Hmm. that makes sense you need a class what i would pay for that class just to like break down a river, like in that way, like because I'm going to think about that now every time. I'm like, what stage is this? What did I catch this fish in? Because that makes total sense. And that's yeah, that's 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 money, right, big man? That is money. It's always it's always different though. Like, I don't know. I, I've always heard different things. Like, smallmouth can travel a couple miles a day. Smallmouth are homebodies. They stay in the same spot of the river all the time. Well, what's your thoughts on that? Uh that's yes and no um animals don't travel just to travel Mm -hmm. there has to be an environmental condition that causes them to travel so potentially a smallmouth that's traveling let's just say five river miles to go to a a a beneficial feeding location that's because the forage there is worth the caloric output to move to that location brown trout are very similar brown trout will will travel uh, large distances to go to optimal feeding locations. 
then they'll just pack on the calories and then they'll go back to their beds and they'll lay in their beds all day and then they'll travel right before dark. They'll move into a staging location and they'll move it finally into their uh, their foraging location. Hmm. And that's that's based on size of the fish too. Okay. So you, you find the bedding area, you know you're getting close. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, either, either getting close or you know it's a spot you can come back to and you can kind of really narrow it down. Hey, yeah. I, I've never caught. I, I'm not catching good sized fish or fish in this area between uh, 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. Uh, 12 p.m. But at two, one to four, I'm catching fish there all day, which could mean they're moving back from their forage spot and getting back and just sitting on their beds. And then it's just process of elimination, finding the forage spot. Yep, that's my. Yep. And then potentially, like you find those beds. Um, you know where a fish is going to be holding and it's going to vary from species to species and in conditions, but like you can, you can pretty much almost lock in that that fish is going to be there between roughly 10 and two or 10 and four, depending upon the time of year. And you can use different tactics to try to trigger a strike out of that fish. So those bedding locations are highly coveted resources. Mm-hmm. So they'll fight to protect those resources, especially the bigger fish. Yeah. So that's, that's when you throw in maybe like a 10 inch swim bait in there and rip it through there and you'll get a reaction strike out of it. Yeah. We have a local legend here. His name's Steve Coomer. And he always, he always says the biggest, baddest smallmouth will claim the best spot in the river. So that makes absolute sense when you put it yeah, in those total sense. terms. That's cool, man. Yep. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Oh, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we really wanted to hit. Is there anything before I start thinking, Torin? Is there anything else you wanted to hit talking about the app or anything? Because one of my last questions would be like, kind of, if you can talk about it, what kind of features are we really looking forward in the V2 of on water app? Yeah, sure. Um, let me let me just touch on this point here real quick, uh, because I think it'll help the users out a lot, um, uh, and, and your listeners or anybody that's just using maps in their daily angling um understand how to read a map and then understand how to put what i just talked about as far as the biology into works on the map so understanding topo um that's going to help you read where you're going to have higher and lower gradient that's Mm -hmm. going to show you where where uh higher dissolved oxygen is going to be so as you move into summer, let's, let's specifically talk about smallmouth fisheries. Smallmouth are a cool water fish, right? Mm-hmm. So they're kind of looking for that like 60, 65 degree temperature. That's their optimal temperature range. As you run into the heat of summer, like especially here on the Susquehanna where it gets low, your dissolved oxygen comes down. So if you can fire in that higher gradient uh, water based on the topography, you can just move into there and you can pick them all up. I mean, that's where you can really stack bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, um, understanding an ortho <laughs> excuse me so I'll look at an ortho map 
I'll use all those biological features and then I'll look at those access points and I'll basically draw uh, a quarter mile circumference around all those access points. And that's kind of where I start mapping out my places. And then I'll put in my, my places, the waypoints where I want to start going. So I'll look for uh, forage. All right, here's a forage spot that I want to check out and, and basically go scout it fishing wise. I'm going to fish it, but it's going to be a scouting session. I'm looking for bedding locations. Okay, here's cover where a large fish is going to be able to survive and have security. Um, that's that's something that I think all anglers should really consider, um, especially fishing new water. I, I think we we get wrapped up too much in the fishing aspect and don't really look at the actual scouting aspect. Like yeah. the top the top anglers, like dude, they put in their homework. Oh yeah. Yeah, even like the Bassmaster guys and stuff, they these bigger bodies of water, like it blows my mind just watching those guys on these big bodies of water out in the middle of nowhere catching fish offshore. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. That's crazy. Blows my well, like, mind. You, you should see some of their freaking um their chips, like their GPS chips, dude. They like they'll have five hundred waypoints on a lake. Yeah. And, on and a lake, all that and that's what he that's what he said, people. On a lake, I've seen I've seen pro uh, waypoints on Gunnersville, for example. And this dude had three chips because he separated the lake thirds, and he had seven hundred waypoints a chip. That's yep. twenty one hundred waypoints for a lake. That's insane. <laughs> and and a lot of that work, a lot of that work is done at a computer. Yep, and, and then reconfirmed re in pre in pre-fishing. Yeah, and that was what I was going to say that earlier. Now that you mentioned it, pairing the on-water app with an app like Navionics will give you an upper hand on fishing a new body of water, especially if you're a tournament angler. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You, you got your uh, put-in spots, your ramps that'll get you in the general area. Then you switch over to Navionics, then you can see topo and all that stuff. Hundred percent. Pretty cool. Well, I don't know. I, I don't have anything else. Matt, you have anything else? I know we covered everything plus some, which this episode's been awesome. Um, we'll probably have to have you back on again just to talk more science I've, fishery. That yeah, was I, I was going to say, man, we're going to bring you back to talk about science of fishing. Because that's yeah something I wanted to do a little bit later. Me and Brad have talked about it, so that's definitely going to happen as long as you're game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. I love geeking out over that stuff. Yeah, and I know, I know the listeners like it too, especially smallmouth. Yeah. We got a lot of smallmouth guys following our podcast, so for sure. Um, but yeah, Matt, quickly to just answer your question about V two, just to drop a, a couple things that are going to be coming. Um. We're doing an overhaul to improve the UX of the app. So you're going to have faster downloads of the offline maps. If you're in places where you're not going to have self-service, you'll still have access to those maps, those waypoints. Um, we're going to have a 3D feature. So that's coming. Uh, it's going to help for potentially runoff. Um, I, I like the 3D in, in more of the, like the trout fishery aspect. Um, that helps a lot, but... It's going to help with the gradient stuff that we talked about earlier too. Um, 
and more warm and cool water. In the beginning, we kind of focused pretty heavily around trout. Uh, I'm pushing for a lot of more warm and cool water uh, fisheries to be added to the map. And then obviously overall, just a ton of more water. Awesome. Heck yeah. That's cool. Well, I'm excited, man. Uh, oh, for sure. I got I to gotta thank Shane, too, because Shane hooked me and Matt up with a year subscription. And uh, he's asking us to uh, report back to him with any feedback we have. So I plan on doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah which much the feedback we can get. Feedback so far is great. I'm really excited for V2. Um, this will easily become because me and Brad are talking about hitting a couple of new spots this year, just outside of Ohio, and this will easily become something that we look at on top of Navionics and um, you know a couple of the other other maps to just pull this up. A, we can find where we're wanting to drop in. We could have really. I don't know why I wasn't thinking. I think I know why I wasn't thinking because we got to Dale Hollow so late and. I, we just go 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 but i pulled yeah. up dale hollow there do there's there's boat ramps that we could have gone to we could have hit brand new spots yeah yeah so i found and they're off the beaten path boat ramps now my truck brakes probably would have screamed coming down some of those mountains would have been <laughs> uh, and cam yeah. probably would have died taking one of those turns but we launched at marinas the whole weekend so yeah we always were dealing with stuff which it wasn't bad it wasn't bad the year before we did during mlf tournament and that sucked yeah, wake like every second of the day, but I'm super excited. This is easily going to become part of the toolkit. Um, to not you know only help me catch fish, but to kind of plan everything out more. So I'm I'm pumped. V2 is going to be awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, that's that's exactly what we want too. We want it to be part of a toolkit for anglers um, as another resource. But um, for your listeners, uh, we got a promo code, fifty percent off promo code. Uh, that I wanted to give to you guys that if you want to put it in the show notes or however you want to do it. Um, yeah, for sure. Yep. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, do you want to mention it right now or? Yeah. Yeah. I'll mention it right now. And then you guys can also put it in the show notes. So uh, the code is paddle 50. And then you have to acquire it at onwaterapp.com backslash DIY. onwaterapp.com slash DIY. You got it. Awesome. We will put that in the show notes. Guys, go check that out. That's that's pretty cool. Thanks for, for sure. doing that. That's, that's a steal. Yeah, man. That's, that is awesome. Absolutely. Uh, um, before you go, you want to shout out like any social media or where anybody could follow you or ask you any questions? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you can check us out at onwaterapp.com. Uh, you can find us on basically all the social media platforms uh, just by searching on water. And that's pretty much uh, everything that we have as far as our out resources. If anybody has any uh, questions about the app or wants to get in touch with me personally, they can shoot me some emails. If they want to just talk fishing, that kind of stuff. Um, hit me up, torn at onwaterapp.com. Heck yeah. Well, man, we appreciate uh you taking the time out of your day to join us. It was a fun show to talk about the app and everything. Oh, Absolutely, sure. Kyle. I enjoyed the conversation. Yep. With that said, Matt, Brad, anything else? 
No, I got I got nothing else. Guys, definitely check this app out. This is a perfect toolkit, whether you're a recreational kayaker, uh, recreational fisherman, or tournament back angler. This will definitely help you out, especially if you're running around following the Bassmaster Trail or the KV. Well, I'm not going to mention that one. But if you're doing some stuff, definitely, definitely use this in your, ta- your toolkit because it's going to help you find launch-ins, especially during pre-fishing, to really narrow down and help your chances. Like Brad said, you pair this with an app like Navionics or something. I mean, there you have no excuse now not to not to place well. Um, yeah. But you know, Tor, thanks for coming on. This show was way more amazing because of the amount of knowledge you have. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Appreciate the fifty percent off code is awesome, and uh, I'm excited to get you on a little bit later in the year. Talk some science. For sure, man. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. That's the end of our show. We'll see you guys next week. with saltwater experience brought to you by golden boat lifts every thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment i'm will cooper host of HuntStand's make your mark podcast for even more content be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand presents on the waypoint tv channel every tuesday at 10 p.m eastern visit waypointtv.com to learn more